the high achievers, the people that strive to be better, they need and want a high bar. Um, I want a high bar. I don't want to, no one, if, if you're listening to the scrap, you're, you don't want a bar so low you're tripping on it. You want a high bar so you could excel. Make me better at my profession, whatever that profession is. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. It is Weekly Scrap number two, one, three. My guest tonight needs no introduction. He is the Deputy Assistant Chief, the Chief of Safety for the FDNY. His previous staff positions include Chief of Training, Chief of the Fire Academy, he has degrees. He's got bachelor's, master's, post naval, naval postgraduate school. Frank has been a member of the FDNY since 1992. He's also been a member of the East Farmingdale Fire Department since 1983. He has served as an advisory panel member for UL, FSRI, and is a principal on the NFPA Technical Committee's 420, 1585, 1710. Uh, I could spend the entire sitting here and listing this man's accomplishments and a big reason we are talking today is because besides all of his past uh, accolades and everything else, he decided to add another, uh, let's just call it best-selling author, to the to the stack. And so uh, there we go. It's my absolute pleasure to have you on as the guest of Weekly Scrap 213. Welcome, my friend, Chief Frank Lieb. My brother, thank you for having me on. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you and talk with you. Any Anytime I get to talk with Coley Moore is a good time. Awesome, brother. I'm, uh, is there anything I missed? Anything you would like to add to the introduction? No, let's get going, man. Uh, but I just, you said, uh, you know, author and uh, it's on Amazon. It's um, the bestseller and I think four, currently four different categories. I mean, it's just in leadership and training and firefighting. It's just um, in new releases. It's just humbling, just humbling. And, and that's just people that are supporting me and my message that's not even that's a leap of faith that it's you know there's hardly any reviews there's only two reviews on the book so far and um so that's humbling right that uh that people have faith in that what i'm writing is is worth buying and and supporting and i never ever take take that lightly that people are spending their hard-earned money to to read what we have to to you know, to what you or what I have to say, and I know, I know you feel the same because we've had that conversation. Oh, absolutely, brother. And and I will say the testament to uh, the lifetime of work, you know, the lifetime of relationships and the network and and uh, everything that you've invested into the job. Uh, it's it's well deserved, the accolades and the the best selling title, man. Well deserved. Uh, well, thank you, audience. Get your questions primed and ready for Frank and myself. We're going to have some fun this evening. Uh, quick announcements. First and foremost, we are giving away three copies of Cornerstones of Leadership during the scrap tonight. Three copies given away during the scrap tonight. And then two more copies in the Vigilante after party, the, the scrap after party. So if you want to be in on the drawing, it's real simple. Here's how you do it. In the chat, wherever you're watching, all you have to do is type in Sam, I want Frank's book. If you type Sam, I want Frank's book, then Sam will add you to the drawing, which we'll be doing at the end of the show for all three books. So type it in there, Sam, I want Frank's book, and you are automatically entered into the wheel of, wheel of luck to see if you get 
a copy of Frank Lieb's book from the scrap here. You'll have to find him to get him to sign it and say this is one of the scrap copies. So that's how you get in. And I'll announce it throughout the show. Sam, I want Frank's book. Type it in the chat. Sam will add you to the drawing. Uh, and there's three copies going to be given away at the end and then two in the scrap after party. So that takes care of that. So let's do the sponsors so that we can get on with the scrap. And, of course, the original sponsor, the OG sponsor of the scrap, Keyhose. You can check them out online at keyhose.com and follow them on Facebook. Affordable Drill Towers, home of the Affordable Drill Tower and the Affordable Standpipe Prop. It is firefighter owned and operated. You can pump and roll using the Affordable Standpipe Prop. The Affordable Standpipe Prop fits through most and pipe theory, and then you can roll it into the parking lot and pump. It comes with six standpipe valves that can be upgraded to PRVs or customized to what you have in your jurisdiction. Call Steve, 844-55-TOWER, or drop an email to info at affordabledrilltower.com. Firefighter safety and accountability starts with being able to quickly find and identify individual firefighters operating on the fire ground. Identifier safety combines the best in photoluminescent materials for durable firefighter identification solutions that can glow for up to 20 hours with no switches or batteries, which means being able to rapidly identify firefighters by name, unit, or assignment, even under hot conditions. Firefighter created, owned, and operated, identifier safety is the home for all of your on-scene identification needs. Identifiersafety.com. And finally, blue-collar firemen. For the firemen who put the citizens first, find them at bluecollarfireman.com and on all social media at bluecollarfireman. And with that, we're officially through the sponsors. We're officially into scrap number 213 with Frank Lee, and I'm ready and excited to get it kicked off. I'm reading some. Let's get it going. I got Frank's book, but how did he come up with the idea for becoming an author? That's the first question coming at you from Joe Driver. I'm not even getting the uh, questions yet. I'm just I'm trying <laughs> no, to read. And a I, few don't, of them. I can't see the comments, by the way. So you'll have to you'll have to feed them all to me because I can't see any of them. But thanks, Joe. I appreciate the uh, the softball. And by the way, all the copies that you have are already signed. So oh, that's awesome. Um, I didn't even open. I, yeah, I, I, only, um, I only read mine. I didn't even open those others. So that's yeah. perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, sign them all that way. You know, um, when you give them out, it's uh, they they got it. And but of course, they see me at a show somewhere. I want them to come up and say hello, right? Um, for sure. But um, so, how did I get the idea for for the book? Was that his question? That was the question. So, um, I got a phone call from Pete Matthews, the editor in chief of Firehouse Magazine, um, and he told me um, I'd like you to be the keynote for Firehouse Expo. And he says, I'd like you to speak about training, teamwork, and uh, mentorship. I said, you know, all right. He said, the rest is up to you. I, I'm thinking, do we really need that in the fire service? And, um, you know, I, I you know, I go around, I teach, and I, and I see in the FDNY. So in the FDNY, right, I mean, leadership is ingrained in our DNA. I'm, I'm surrounded by so many great bosses and we we mentor and and train. It's just it's just something that's natural. We don't we rarely have terrible bosses. Um, but what I've quickly realized the more I talk to people is that um, that's not the way it is every place, right? There's plenty of places that are, that um, uh, that people tell me that they don't work for good bosses, and that you know this is that this is a needed topic. And to be honest with you, it was 
after I wrote the keynote, which was, you know, based on my experience and my beliefs, um, it was so many people that came up to me that they said the message resonated with, with me and I sent it to my chief and then, well, they, you know, I've, I've emailed it to my chief every day for the past week, hoping he'll watch it and learn. And then I had people that were telling me that I got to turn the keynote into a book. Um, and, you know, people like Sarah Jenke was pretty early on telling me I got to turn it into a, a book. And she's, you know, the research that she does, you know, I've become good friends with her and, uh, you know, people like Jeff Burgess. And then I talked to Chris Stewart out of Phoenix, you know, and um, he's a good friend of mine. And he's like, man, you got to make that into a into a book. And he he sends me the make your bed speech from Admiral Admiral uh, uh, McRaven. And I listened to it. It's like 23 minutes long. I'm like, this is really good. And then he follows that up by sending me a couple of podcasts. He sends me the um, a link to the book. I read the book. I listen to these podcasts. And I'm like, man, all right. Now I see what he's I saw a pathway forward to writing a, a book on it. And um and that was really where where it came from. And it, and it quickly became a labor of love and telling the stories. And um, what what I love most about the book is that it's fire stories that tell you leadership lessons. But it's really not the it's it's really the soft skills. It's not the hard skills. I'm not teaching you how to force a door. Um, I'm not teaching you how to stretch a hose line in this. But it's all those soft skills. Because think about how many times in. In, in your career, and, and certainly I've had this plenty of times in my career, where you say that officer is the complete package. If they only knew how to deliver the message, if they only knew how to communicate with people, if they only had people skills. Um, and that's what this book is about. It's about those skills. It's about how to deal with people that, you know, you don't always have to be a hammer. You Absolutely. know, you, you, you know, this showing empathy and inclusion and just so many of the different things. And, you know, um, and I've had so many great people that I've learned from. Um, I'm a learning sponge. To this day, I'm constantly trying to learn and listen. And, and you know, one of the early advices that I got from, you know, one of my captains, Captain Gene McGowan, was, you know, uh, read something fire-related every day, every tour. And nowadays with, you know, with your scrap and, and, and other podcasts that are out there and uh, audio books and books, there's so much. And YouTube, there's so much information it's so easy to stay current and, and to, to learn. Right. And you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll use a quote that's from um, another awesome book, the nine L's um, <laughs> where, where it talks about, you know, if you read something one hour a day that you'll quickly become one of the leaders in your field. And when, I remember when I'm reading, I was reading that book and I'm thinking, I've been doing that for 31 years. I have, with the exception of a couple of months after September 11th, I read or listen to something fire-related every single day. Um, so you said it takes a couple of years to be um, at the top of your game. Well, I've been doing it for a very long time, and I know you do it for a very long time. You, you know, the, I, I've seen how fast you go through books. I mean, you devour them. Um, but, you know, I say any good, any good leader really – is engaged to the point where you recognize that you don't have all your answers. Your organization doesn't have all the answers and reading from other books, other leadership books, others outside your profession, my goodness, the amount that you could learn from other people um, instead of reinventing the wheel. And this is, you know, 
my my version of that would uh with a lot of fire stories right mcraven uses a lot of military stories that's that's what he knows and and i got i got tons of fire stories and 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 experiences based on that some good some bad some sad some happy you know um the book really runs the gamut of all those topics brother no and it's it's phenomenal man i want i don't want to get it wrong 27 chapters correct or 27 basic stories 127 takeaways if i'm getting my numbers yeah. right and, and I'm, I know I'm close, at least. Uh, no, it's phenomenal. The stories are phenomenal. The stories carry it. And me and you have had many conversations about the power of stories. So going back to, I'm going to catch you up with the comments because there are a ton. Hey, there's a ton of comments that say, Sam, I want Frank's book over and over and over. So there's there's hundreds of those already. Uh, Standing. Sam, I want Frank's book. That seems to be the overall theme here. I mean, uh, I would like Frank's book, please. Uh, I'm going to try and get you to turn it down one more time, Chief, if you, as long as you can still hear me because we're getting an echo. Try to get as low, okay. as, you can, as low as you can, but still hear me. All right. All right. Let's check, try check, that. Check. I'm checking. I'm checking. I'm checking. Can you hear me? I hear you. Okay. That The echo's good, so we'll, we'll roll with that. All right. I'm getting into this because Joe took my first question. Uh and remember when you got to break my shoes about 1 million, right? 1 million, you got to break my shoes and it was fun. I get to break your shoes about yes, that selling, man. It's awesome. It's one of the greatest things in the world when you get to uh, do that to a friend, man. It is a great feeling. It's payback. So that's why I say it. Uh, your favorite. Uh, well, go ahead. Success by itself isn't success, right? Success with your friends and, and others. I mean, and, you know, um, you, um, you know, for the viewers that don't know, and I'm, I'm sure they don't uh, know at this point, but um, Qualley was one of the um, one of the early editors of the book and had um, a lot of insightful suggestions that really strengthened the book. And I'm super appreciative um, of that. He's uh, he has an amazing way with words, which I know you all know that. Um, and on several chapters, uh, he really made them worthy of of keeping them or putting them in the book. So. Um, and I know you keep telling me, right, this isn't this isn't about you. It's about the guest. But you know what? Um, yeah, it is about you as well. Right. And you also uh, you also are um, an author of one third of one of the chapters as well, which we'll talk about that later. But absolutely. Uh, a humble. Thank you. Thank you. No. And I was humbled and very proud to be allowed to see the book before everybody else. First of all, that was my ulterior motive was to get to read it before everyone else. And then I got to give suggestions, which some of them you took and some of them you threw out. And that's great. And I really loved uh, I'm telling you this. Uh, you have a gift. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart where I can. Uh, there's a lot of people I couldn't say the things I said about their book because they don't have the humility to hear it. Does that make sense? And, and it you does, have- but I, and and again, that's the value, right? Of um, of Driver Joe, that's the value of other people that I intentionally surround myself. Um, one of the one of the later editors of the book um, was Chris Bellavita. He was my thesis advisor. Nice. Um, and he, there were times I thought he took pleasure in telling me I, that my writing sucks. Um, some of my <laughs> first assignments that he would edit when I was going for my masters was. I was starting to question if I belonged in the program, but you know, that's what makes you, that's what makes you better. Right. So oh yeah, um, the high achievers, the people that strive to be better 
they need and want a high bar. Um, I want a high bar. I don't want to, no one, if, if you're listening to the scrap, you're, you don't want a bar so low you're tripping on it. You want a high bar so you could excel. Make me better at my profession, whatever that profession is. You could be a volunteer firefighter and, you're, and you have a day job. The idea is do something to make me better, whether it's as a firefighter or in my career. And if you're a firefighter uh, and that's your career, it's an officer that you show you care for your people by setting a bar for your for your people. Because even the even the underachievers, even the slugs want some type of bar. Right. Even even they, you know, plus we got we got to hold those folks um, accountable. But it's all about making sure that we are giving enough opportunity for growth for our high achievers, for all people that want to be that want to be better. And that doesn't mean they want to promote. It just means they want to be the best at their position, whatever their position is, because we don't need everybody to promote. We need fantastic firefighters. We need fantastic nozzle firefighters, whatever the position is. Um, but it's all about owning owning your space, whatever space that is that, you, that you're most comfortable in. And if you promote, that's great. Beautiful. That it could not be said better, man. I already got, I'm writing down timestamps already. That's so good, man. Uh, got mine today, already halfway through it. Great read. That comes from Scotty Harris. I'm trying to catch you up on, but there's so many people. Uh, all right, another question coming from the audience. This one's off the book, but uh, I'm going to throw it at you and we can go with it. We can just roll with them. Chief, and we'll get back to the book. Chief, what have you found works best to get poor performers to hold the standard besides progressive discipline? So a hot stove um, burns everybody the same, right? So if the if the pot is red hot, if the stove is glowing, well, that's going to burn. And it doesn't matter who you are, it's going to burn. So you must treat all of your people. When it comes to discipline, you must treat your people equally. But in, in my career, um, I have gotten more success by reasoning with the people and telling them and explaining to them that we are only as strong as our weakest link and fire does not discriminate. And um, you don't have to look far to see that when the, a weak link on the fire ground has an oversized impact and can injure or kill firefighters. And we see, we see well-trained firefighters, right? We, after, after a line of duty death, so often we hear that, Oh my God, that firefighter was, was into the job. Right. Right. But, and, when you read the fatal fire reports, um, oftentimes the contrib- the most con- the most um, heaviest contributing factors were not related to that firefighter. It was related to another action that was taken somewhere else on the fire ground. So we owe it we owe it to our high achievers to hold everybody accountable for a minimum standard. And the higher that minimum standard, the better that is, the safer that is for everybody both firefighters and the occupants that we're sworn to protect. So protect your high achievers by making sure that your, un- your underachievers step up their game and contribute the way they need to contribute. It's that simple. And, you know, there's, there's ways that you can um, motivate people uh, without, without, being, without having to be a disciplinarian because I've never been one to, um, to have to discipline um, all that much. I've been able to get – the slugs to, to at least perform to a minimal level. And I haven't had that many slugs either, which is helpful. Right. No, I, and, and, uh, and, and a lot of that is a testament to the leadership. Uh, you know, no bad teams, only bad leaders. And that goes the other way too. No good teams, just good leaders. And um, 
I want to say I feel like a bobblehead whenever you're talking because I'm like, yeah, this is. I feel I'm just like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was looking at it going, oh, but I love it, man. I love what you're saying, man. And so does the audience, as they say. Uh, Joe Driver says, I don't raise the bar, I am the bar, but he has a lot of emojis with it. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, listen, he he is. So the chapter that talks about Joe um, was initially only about Joe. And and I sent it to him, and he's like, um, so he was serious, right? So he called me chief. Chief, you got to change the chapter. You can't have a chapter just about me. There's so many good people that are doing similar things. There's so many other drivers. There's so many other people. And... Um, but that's that's Joe's character, right. right? If you know Joe, is to absolutely love Joe. I mean, when you meet Joe, you connect with him immediately. Immediately, you feel like he's been your best friend forever. Oh, there's no right? doubt. I mean, that's just how you are, right? I I saw um, Steve Robinson in in Columbus this past week, and he's like, "We are we are like the same person," and uh, we connected right away. And like, I get that, right? Because I'm I'm fortunate um, to work to work with Joe. Um, every day, right? And um, and he just gets it, right? I mean, um, and it's funny today on our ride to and from work, we spoke for about ten minutes, and then I was working, and you know, he just takes care of everything throughout the day. We got to chief, we got to be somewhere. Well, this whatever it is, right? He's just, um, yeah. Listen, he's just um, he's just that guy. So yeah, he is the boss. I agree. No, oh, and it's a great chapter. It talks about all of the driver Joes. You know, and like he said, and I and I think his 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 call where he said, Chief, you gotta change it. Again, you had the humility to listen to him, but it was great advice from a great person because it turned it into one of my favorite chapters and leads me to one of my questions for you, which is, and I know this is like a loaded question, but your favorite chapter in the book and why, you know. Oh man. Um man, I know. So that so that's like asking me what's my favorite company, right? Or what's right. my favorite child? Child or kid? Um, I, yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> oh, I, you know what? Um, there's so many I like. You know, and um, uh, Dina Alley was texting with me earlier. Um, some of the comments she's getting because I have a chapter that I mentioned her and and her um, her book that'll be released next year, um, Light in the Darkness, and and it's it references the name of the book in the chapter and talks about it. And um, I really like that chapter a lot. The um, the chapter where I talk about um, inclusivity, uh, I really like that one a lot. I really like, um, I really like the one uh, where I talk about how I felt after the plane crash in the in the Rockaways, um, and I really like that because that's deeply emotional right. still to this day to me. Um, I really like the chapter where I talk about the actions of the brothers and sisters at the Twin Parks fire because. I'm immensely proud of of what they did. Um, I, I I love the chapter about Hurricane Harvey because I I met um, I met Gabe uh, and and the story and what he's become in his career. Um, and I love the chapter where I was the mascot hot dog just because it's a fun chapter. And you know, I could go on. I could name every chapter and why I love them. Right. Um, uh, I love the early chapters about the the lifelong mentors that I had in the volunteer fire service and what the and what the volunteer fire service still means to me today. Um, my goodness, I guess I could go. 
No, no. I can, I, I, I can I, name I, a reason why I love every chapter. I knew it was a loaded um, question when I loaded it in there, but. Yeah. And, and so there were three chapters that, that, as you know, right, because one of the chapters that didn't make the final cut, you said it doesn't belong. Um, and it's no longer in the book or, um, you know, and several people said, well, that's okay. Especially my, uh, um, uh, uh, my publisher and editor, um, has told me that'll be for the book, you know, for the next book, the next you know, it's one, not yeah. wasted. And you've said that as well. So I don't know about that. Um, I will say it's a, it's a lot of work because you want the book to be right. Right. So, um, but I am, I am proud of it. I'm proud of the final result. Oh, brother. Uh, for sure. And, and love so many of the changes. I got it. You sent it to me and, uh, the fight when it was done, you know, you were, you were heading to firehouse, but you sent me a copy and it came in early and I was on duty and I called you. Cause I was so, I mean, here it is right here sitting next to me, but yeah. And of course I got my personalized message from the chief, but, uh, I was like, man, dude, this turned out so good looking like your, your editor, your, your publisher is top notch making you look good. Yeah, he, he does. And like everything, um, it's surrounding yourself with, with good people that, you know, that, that, that get the job done. Right. right. And, um, uh, and I tell you what, um, I loved, I loved it when, so your wife, Amanda, um, uh, texted, uh, myself and my wife, the pictures of you when she's like, the book came in the mail. I got in the car and I immediately took it down to the station. <laughs> she took it straight to the station. Yeah. Like that's freaking awesome. Um, you know, we were both together when we got that, um, when we got that text and it's just, you guys are freaking awesome. And the excitement that, that that she showed, and then and then you did, and seeing the seeing the pitches, and then after she left the firehouse, you you immediately called me up. Like that's why I say sharing in, in these moments and the success. Yeah. They they're not to be done by yourself, right? It's having a it's having friends and a support network around you that you know um, that celebrating with everybody is 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 certainly better than celebrating alone. And nobody achieves these these things by themselves right it doesn't matter on the fire ground or whether you're writing a book it's just this wasn't I, I didn't do this alone my goodness i had so many people um that that helped me out now you did the lion's share you did that 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 the hard work but i get i i know what you're saying exactly andrew feskins has a follow-up which is right in line with the favorite it was what was chapter what chapter was the hardest and or longest for you to write <sighs> The hardest chapter to write was where I talk about my friend Chris, and um, Chris um, Chris took his life, and um, that was hard because, um, really, because it was determining how much I wanted to say, or or not say about that. Honestly, right is how um, you know, and I wound up being very open about it, right? Because um, I I do think that it's very important that um, that leaders in our profession. And even outside of our profession, it doesn't matter what you do. I think it's important for people to um, to to speak about that and really show show a sense of vulnerability, right? And um, I'm human. I put my pants on the, the, the same exact way every other human does. The way every I put my bunker gear on the same way every other firefighter puts their bunker gear on. You know, um, we are truly all in this um, together. And if if it can help one person, if it could help two people and, um, 
you know, and again, I, I reached out to people about that to, to make sure that I was, that I was getting it right. Right. And, um, you know, and I, I was mostly there. I was mostly correct, but there were certain sentences or that I needed to put or, or not put or, but, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm very happy. That's a great follow-up question. I'll tell you what, the last time the questions that the, um, that the audience had were, were really top notch and, uh, I knew they wouldn't disappoint this time either. I tell you, the the scrappers are the best. Throwing good. I mean, I haven't even got to the outside the book questions yet. They're throw, they're stacking up. Uh, there are some good questions coming at you, but I want to focus on the book, especially at the first half as we talk. Um, and you mentioned it. No one, no one does this alone. Uh, you mentioned that. You know what I'm saying? And which makes me segue right into Metal Day because that was uh, one of it probably is my favorite chapter in the book for reasons of, of being able to go there and be there with you this year with my son and your son and chief Ike and chief Ike's son, you know, just that, uh, I don't know if there'll ever be another experience like that for me in a fire service setting to be able to go and experience, uh, what I got to experience and be a part of thanks to you and the invitation. And then to do, be able to share that with my son, who's, who's two years on the job, uh, was just, but like you said, the overall theme of that day for me was, yeah, this is the person winning the award and that we're honoring them, but they didn't do it alone, you know, and it's all about uh, they, it's the teamwork, the esprit de corps, the tradition, the camaraderie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you were there, right? So you, yes. you lived metal day, right? So, um, and um you know, we had a long day, right? Because we weren't satisfied with just going, you know, we went to Metal Day. Then we went to the Queens Coalition, the party afterwards, right? But that wasn't enough. Then we had to head up to the Bronx because it matters. Because um, for me in my position, it matters. It matters greatly to me because I always cared. When, when you see when you see staff chiefs or, or higher level chiefs come and they show up and they're engaged and they're celebrating just as hard with you, that matters. And I always loved seeing that. And I've had great mentors that have always showed up at, um, at all the events. And that's half, half of the battle is just showing up. I tell them, you don't even have to stay all night long, just show up. And so, um, we celebrate the accomplishment of the individual, but boy, do we celebrate it as a team because the FDNY procedures and firefighting procedures anywhere, really, they are written because they fundamentally value teamwork with the individual responsible to execute the assignment right as part of that team again if one rogue firefighter does something wrong on a fire ground that can have an impact on that team so we're a team and it's that team that enables that individual to perform at an exceptionally high level and even if he's off duty even if he or she is off duty and they come across a burning structure somebody taught him what to do there is always a team standing behind a firefighter it doesn't matter and that's the same when you're writing a book and that the metal day celebration, we started in Queens, my good friend, Joe Greco from ladder 117. Uh, there's a picture of him in the book. He got a medal at metal day. He's also in my volunteer fire department. I knew many people that were getting medals in Queens. And then we had to get up to the Bronx because we knew that 48 engine and 56 truck um, and rescue three, the, the first special unit, the first engine and the first truck at the Twin Parks fire, they had gotten company medals. We knew that they were there celebrating and we needed to go there. 
and we needed to make sure that we were celebrating with them. Another picture that's in the book is is a picture um, with Dave Werda, who was the um, the officer of Engine 48 at the Twin Parks fire, and and as a picture of him uh, with me in that book as well. It's it's being there for your people and celebrating. And you know, Dave yesterday he shot me a text, and it was a picture of the book saying he can't he can't wait to read it. Right. You know, I didn't even have a chance to to even get up to the Bronx or tell him, you know, at, at that point when he sent me that text, I don't know if he even opened the cover of the book yet, if he even knows that I speak about him in the book, or if he even knows that there's a photo of him in the book. But it's a, it's valuing and always appreciating your people and your team. But surround yourself with those people. Because guess what? Underperformance slugs, they don't want to transfer to my companies. Right? You see those offices where you're like, you know, you see who there's a line of people who want to go to their company and they're high achievers. Right. Right. And that's why that, that keeps that training lineage, that, that, uh, that company operating at that high level, regardless of whether they're going to a lot, a lot of fires or not, because it, it's nice, right. It helps. It helps if you're going to fires to hone your skills and, and, and that's the test. Right. But um, whether you go to fires or not is certainly not the only um, indicator of a good company. And it's not even the biggest indicator of a good company. Having good quality firefighters, having good quality leadership, firefighters that, that hang out and do things outside the firehouse that build up that that team, that team that you have, that unbreakable bond um, that we have. And again, that's not something that's unique to the to the fire service. Tomorrow night, my, my daughter at her job, uh, they play, they have a softball league that it's all intramurals within it. Um, and I'm going to go watch her play tomorrow night. And it's all people that, that are playing. That is an internal league. The purpose of that is to build that, right? Is right, to build right. that team, that culture that you want within your organization. And again, that trans that transcends the fire service. Beautiful, beautiful, beautifully stated, ma'am. And, and, uh, and you said it best. Uh, none of us are as good as all of us. And it's just so strong. And the chapter on Metal Day really captures it. And I, I remember sitting in the stands and having this conversation with you saying, how do you capture this and take it back to suburbia? You know, and um, and even my my short third of a chapter, which we'll talk about at some point. Uh, that's my point of it, because I love the back of your book and it's it's the theme of the front of the book. And it's that I love it, brother. This book will be about the and insert the way. How do you get that back there? Yeah, so for me, it is the FDNY way, right? But it's also the EFFD, the East Farmingdale Fire Department way. It's the Frank Lieb way, right? Right, because there's personal accountability, and it's whatever else you want it to be, right? It's it's your Squad 270 way. It's my Engine 76 way. It's my Elmhurst Eagle way. There's so many different ways because we we simply just we. We can't just only blame poor leadership, right? We have to have a personal responsibility and accountability to yourself. And then organically, people that are like-minded will gravitate to you, right? Uh, you know, we hit it off immediately when we met. We were like-minded, right? Um, and the same, you know, with Chief Ike and with so many other people, you meet them and immediately you get it because you're, you're, you're cut from the same cloth, Right. And then you start surrounding yourself with similar people what, to the degree that you can. Smaller organizations, it's a little bit harder. I understand that, right? Sure, sure. Um, 
so you look outside your organization a little bit for that. But it's about making sure that, you know, accountability starts with you. And then we could organically grow it and hopefully leadership will get that. And again, for me, it was, hey, we need those soft skills that torpedo so many, so many great leaders or so many good leaders would be exceptional leaders, right? They'd be on the pedestal type leaders if they only knew how to handle um, the people they work with, you know, and, and it's really, it's the same skills. I treat my son, especially when they were younger, I, I treat my son differently than I treat my daughter. Right. right. I mean, the, the, when I'm, when I'm disciplining them or explaining stuff to them, that's just the way it is. Um, and likewise, you, you, every firefighter should not, or every employee um, should not be treated. Um, you, you know, there's different, there's different ways to, to deal with different people. And that's based on their personalities. I mean, um, there's all different personality traits. And we have, uh, when we go to FOMI, a fire officers management institute, a partnership they have with Columbia University um, and General Electric, one of the things they do is you do a personality trait to determine what kind of person you are, right? right. So are you, a, are you amicable? Are you a driver? Uh, you know, all these different, these four different quadrants and see who, what, what are the best combinations of it? So you just, you rate how you feel you are and you have to send it to 15 coworkers and they rate how you are. And you see the people in the class, like, you know, who the people are that know where they, what type of person they are. And then you see the other people that they're clueless. Like they have no idea that they don't have people. Right. And they rate themselves very high where everybody rates them low or it's just, it's interesting to see that. So self-reflection and and self-awareness is so important for a leader. And I think, you know, uh, being able to to take criticism when it's, you know, criticism or, um, or, or friendly advice, or, you know, um, like, like you did with the book, right. Where you say, Hey, what do you think of, of this? Like, I need you to tell me, I need you to be truthful. Right. That's how, that's how we get better. That's what makes the book better. I would right. never say, like, because you kept at first, I, I, I know. you know, I, I, I want to make sure you're going to take this the right way. I'm like, if you say that one more time, right. I said, what you're telling me isn't pissing me off. You keep telling me that is what's pissing me off. No, you had to, you had to have that conversation with me about four times before it finally sunk in that I could just be brutally candid and honest with you. That's what you were after. Yeah, well, and that's what I wanted, right? That's right. important. To, no, um, absolutely. Yeah. No. So, hey, I got to do a quick shout out. Um, go. My my wife is um, is visiting her family um, in Denver, Colorado. Okay. Um, and I absolutely love her family. And she just sent me a a picture of them watching it on the TV. So they are tuned into the scrap tonight, watching it. So thank you, thank you, uh, thank you. It's freaking awesome. That's beautiful. I love it, man. I absolutely love it. Representing Colorado. Uh, okay, I'm gonna get to some and and any more. Any, I I actually need to pull up my own notes before I get just to audience questions here. Although they're throwing some great questions. Um, what are some? Yeah, I got a copy. I got a copy the the questions. Hold on, John. And if you if you if I if you make sure you don't be afraid to post your question more than once, so I can make sure and see it as we go through. Um, okay. Got my notes. I kind of got my notes here. Uh, what was surprised? What? Oh yeah, I do want to ask you this. What has surprised you most? Because this book's been out for I don't know the exact date it released, but what has surprised you most 
since you released the book? Like what's, what's the thing that's uh, you weren't expecting? The overwhelming positive response. The just, you know, you never, you don't, you don't know if anybody's going to support, you know, what you're right. doing. There's, right. I mean, there's plenty of people in the fire service that, that put out books and, um, and they're worthy of, they're worthy of selling 5 million copies and they don't. Right. So you really don't know. And especially early on, you're relying on your reputation or, or other people putting, puting something out. And um, I'm just humbled by that. And now what's really in the last two days is, um, you know, people are, are tagging cornerstones of leadership and, and, and me in the book. Um, and they're, they're saying different parts that they, that they love about the book or that they, you know, uh, Andy Starnes, you know, he's, he, he posted, he's halfway through the book and he loves it. I mean, it's just, um, so, you know, so many other comments like that, that it's just, uh, it's just been, it's a humbling experience. Right. And, and, and you know that, right. Cause, um, I love what I do. I love the fire service. I love the people in the fire service. Um, I love the people I work with. Um, and you know, it's, it matters, right? So to have, so to, to have a book like this, a labor of love, which is, um, a lot of, a, a lot of stories, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of difficult stories to, to talk about, but they're necessary stories. That's how we push the fire service forward, right? We keep, keep pushing forward. Right. Um, and so many of these things are important messages. Um, uh, at, at firehouse expo where I was doing book signings, I mean, it was, it was humbling people, people coming up and, and, and telling you that I've been, you know, they said, I've been reading about you and reading your, um, what you put out. I watch your podcast and you're a mentor. You've been a mentor of me for the, you know, for the past 10 years or the past five years. And I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, and I start reflecting back and I think about the people inside and outside my organization that I never even knew. And I, I understand, I understand that. I just never, I guess I never connected the dots that I too have all of those people. Um, you know, I'm just used to having so many people inside my organization because I'm such a large organization that I've had some incredible leaders in my career right. that I've worked for and, and, um, and under, and, and occasionally I've gotten to a point where I've been a higher rank and I've been fortunate to bring them into my team. I mean, you think about that someone that is legendary in your organization that you've always looked up to and they decided that they weren't going to promote anymore. And now that you bring them in as part of your team, Right. There's, there's almost nothing better than that. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's just um, the gratitude I have for those people. And I'm like, and I tell them, and I, I spoke to, you know, one of those guys, Brian Fink, um, who retired from my my job. I spoke to him earlier, like the impact that he's had, right? And he's a guy, he's not even mentioned in the book. And he's had such an impact in, in my career. Um, he's in one of the photos of the of the. 2022 bureau training photos um because he usually tells me i'll kill you if you make me interview because <laughs> we would have i wanted to do videos and different things and he would never ever want to be the center of attention i'd be like hey brian i want you to go do this interview for me and the next thing you know he'd be leaving he'd leave early you take a half a day so he wouldn't so he wouldn't <laughs> have to do that <laughs> but the impact that that someone like that has had on my career um and you simply there's not enough chapters in the book to, right. to talk about all of the people within my own organization that 
that I, I can write a leadership lesson on so many of them. Brian Fink is certainly one of them that's, that's, that's not in the book. Um, I could have wrote an entire chapter on, on Jim Yearsley, um, you know, uh, my buddy who just retired. Um, but him and Mark Ferran, amazing individuals. They're the, the last two takeaways are dedicated to them, right? So there's five ta- takeaways per chapter, which comes out to 125. So we say there's 125. And then, spoiler alert, right, on the last page, we say we're giving you two extra. It's dedicated to these two guys. Nice. Right? So when when I showed Jim Yearsley, when I gave him the uh, the book a couple of days ago, I opened up to that page because I wanted to make sure I saw his reaction because I wanted him to know how much I care about him and how much he's had an impact in me. Right. And, and I didn't talk about him um, in other parts of the book, but I, I, I could write a book about him, you know? Wow. Yeah. No, it's um, powerful. And yeah. in the book, it says that, right. That I'm blessed to have so many different and people that have impacted me. Um, and that's because of the other you know, learn something from everybody you meet. The other piece of advice I got from Gene McGowan, sometimes it's what not to do. But boy, I learned so much of what to do from so many from so many great people. Brian Fink being one of them, Jim Yearsley being one of them. Talked about Mark Ferran. There's so, there's so many others um, that you could talk about just within my organization. And then there's plenty of them outside my organization. Ray McCormick, another guy, you know, um, what he's done, you know, he helped us with our engine document while he was going out the door into retirement, right? A, a right. legacy project. Yes. Um, and I don't, I don't mention Ray in the book at all. Um, but he's another, you know, he's another guy that, yeah, man, you've had a great impact and he continues to impact the, the fire service. I mean, it's, um, and these are guys that I worked with Ray at the end of his career worked for me at the Bureau of Training. Wow. Mike Champo worked for me, works for me, at the, worked for me at the Bureau of Training. I mean, I get to see these guys and interact with them every single day. Yeah. Kenny Klett, you know, <laughs> like um, where you say, you know, I remember the engine committee when we sat down and we, when we were evaluating the engine document and I basically, we formed the committee of the five or six people and I sat down with them and we're having a conversation. I'm like, man, this is like the murderer's row of engine ops. Right. And no doubt. No I'm doubt. Like, I, I'm like, guys, I got stuff I got to do. You know, I got people waiting in meetings. And I was just blowing off all my meetings because we're sitting there and we're talking engine tactics, you know, and, right. and they're just dropping nugget after nugget after nugget. And I'm like, this is it, man. Like, I don't want to get up. Does it doesn't get I, any better I than this. There, I sat there until lunchtime until I think it was driver Joe that came in. He's like, hey, chief, I'm like, you know, it's not all fun and games, bro. <laughs> it's beautiful, I said, man. Yes, it is when you're with these guys, but it's. It's the it's part of the FDNY way, right? Our people want to give back. We want to, you know, Timmy Klett, Ray McCormick, these guys make they leave the job better than they found it. Brian Fink, Tom Richardson, Rich Blattis. I mean, these guys leave the organization better. If you they bleed FDNY red, it's just you know you never you never leave the FDNY. You retire, but you are always you are always part of the FDNY family. I mean, it's just. Um, and these guys, I'll talk to them, uh, you know, they'll call up and they want, hey, what did you hear about this? Or what do you think of this? Uh, that's just common. I mean, and it's thank God that, that that we have a culture like that where everybody that you really you could retire and go on to do whatever or do nothing. But you're still part. You're still part of, uh, of what we're doing with the FDNY. 
Right on, dude. I love it, man. I love it. Okay. I got I got lots of questions. We're already we're already pushing on an hour and I got lots of questions. Uh, no, it's awesome. It's well, awesome. We're not going to midnight tonight. I'm, no, okay. Okay. I, you know, I, I was you know, I stayed on to the very end when you know for scrap two hundred with uh with Chief Ike and I'm like I was wiped out by the time my head oh. hurt. And then by the next the next morning now I'm going to work and I'm like, I'm exhausted. I called him up, I'm like, bro. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, we, yeah, no, I won't. I won't subject you to that. that that's a special. Uh, but I have questions coming at you from the audience. Are you ready? I'm ready. Todd Edwards says, "How does the FDNY keep their traditions alive in today's society challenges?" Well, so that's a really good question. Um, well, so um, culture in a fire department is critically important, right? And that culture has to be a good culture. Uh, modifying some of the stuff that you look back and you say, you know what, that probably really wasn't part of the culture. Um, and um, you'll never hear me say that the culture in the FDNY um, is bad or, or, you know, that that's, that's not it. Does it need modification at times? Yes. Um, because that's necessary. It's like weed in the garden. We have to make sure that we are cultivating fertilizing and taking care of our culture because it can go off the rails if we don't do that. Right. So it's, it's the same with our procedures. If we don't monitor our procedures and we, and we just continue to allow um, uh, our firefighters or or members to do things that are not in our procedures, we then have a normalization of deviance. Well, we can have a normalization of deviance in our culture. And we have to be aware of that and make sure that, that we are doing everything that we can understanding that 2023 is different than 1970. Right. And societal norms have changed um, in many, many ways. Uh, and the culture just has to has to keep pace with that. But it's it's weeding the garden and getting out and making sure that the, the, the poor aspects of the culture are replaced with positive aspects of the culture. Um, and I think I think we are a, a, a stronger, a leaner, um, a more inclusive and better fire department when we maintain culture, because there's some departments that, that I've seen and, and especially heard about that have toxic cultures because then no one even wants to work for your organization. Right. Right. And yeah. we don't have that problem. People want to work for the FDNY and we, we continue to evolve and that's a good thing. No, it's beautiful, man. It's a great answer. I love this normalization of deviant culture. That's the note I wrote now. Normalization of deviant culture. Play on those words. It's beautiful. That's going to be an <laughs> article. Uh, yeah. It's either an article you write it. I'll write it. It's great. Great question from Todd Edwards. I like to call him Robert because of his tag at FDIC. Uh, Brian Schwab wants to know, Chief, and I love this question. That's why I'm throwing it at you. I've asked you this question before, and I know it's a it's another loaded question. It's almost a, this might be worse than the favorite chapter. What has been your favorite rank company rank slash company with the FDNY? Oh, so that's a loaded question too. Right? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Is anybody asking who, you know, do I like my son or my daughter better? I mean, come on. Um, so, you know what? Um, so, here's what I'll say. Um, and, I, and I know there's great debate with this, right? With um, Whether you'd rather be the engine firefighter or whatever, right? But um, there is nothing better than having the nozzle. I don't care what anybody says. There's nothing better than having the nozzle. Um, being a new officer is great because you're learning. Um, being a captain, having your own company, forming, everything is great. But um, the truth is, I miss being a battalion chief the most. 
I think I, I was, I had amazing firefighters. I've had amazing firefighters work for me everywhere, but um, I had a, a whole big family, Battalion 4-6 and the surrounding units that, that we ran in with in Battalion 4-9 and 5-2, like um, especially those, those battalions. And I don't want to leave out the rest of them. I mean, I can name them all because, because we're so blessed to have so many great companies and firefighters in the FDNY. But I know that I can walk into a company in any of those three battalions and I will have a great drill. I will have a great conversation. I will enjoy a nice hot cup of coffee and a great conversation. And at my rank now, if I go to any of those areas and I call up and I let them know and I tell the chief that I'm coming, the chiefs in those battalions are great, that they will join me, that they'll come. Even they don't have to. I'll just tell them, hey, just want to let you know I'm visiting one of your units. And the next thing you know, they show up. Because they're just as into the job, right? And right. they care, and they mm. they always visit their units because that's what it, that's what it's about. So I would say I, um, my favorite position is is definitely there's nothing better than the nozzle, um, and in the fear of sliding my other companies because they're all great, um, I enjoyed being a battalion chief because I thought I had, um, I thought I was able to have impact uh, far beyond my my initial my immediate firefighters beautiful i love the answer and it was a, and it was a loaded question there's no i mean it is a loaded question and it came from brian schwab i don't know if i actually uh announced the person uh zach swainson wants to know how do you make those you work with better if they don't want to be better and want to maintain the status quo of mediocrity at best i know you've heard this question many times uh we try to hold the line set examples and influence those that we can but what about those that think there's no need to be better? Can we change their mindset? Yeah. So I think that you can change the you could change the mindset to a certain degree, right? But um, for me, I just I just keep training with them, right? So if I'm working with a group of firefighters and everybody wants to train but one, like it it wouldn't be allowable for someone to just not join in on the training, right? Right. So you're either going to you're, you're going to participate and I'm going to know that you have the talent level. Or or you're going to, you know, you're going to avoid me or, or transfer out of the company. But I haven't had if I tell a firefighter I need him to do something, um, they always do it like they're not going to tell me as an officer. They're not going to tell me no. Right. That would be that would be a problem. Now, there's a difference between a senior firefighter. Right. So if we're doing a basic skill drill. I'm not going to abuse the senior firefighter. I I know I know his skill, right? That so that's a little bit different. But if we're just talking about the, the firefighter that wants to ride the couch, well, that's not an option, right? So it's just this is what we're doing, and you know, um, it's a privilege to be in this company. Um, and I would say all officers, the best company that, that on a job is the company that you're working in. And I don't care what company you're in, if you're if you're an officer. You're a firefighter. That needs to be your mindset. Right. Wherever I was was the best company on the job. And wherever it was, whether I was there for the day, a week, a month, or several years, that was the best company on the job. And I always approached it with that mindset because it wasn't about it wasn't about the fire duty. And I learned that from early mentors where people came in and they took me under their wing and they took us. They cared about us. And they were there for just a short period of time. But the impact that you could have just being there for a day or, or a week is is really it is lifelong. The impact that you can have. And I'm telling you, because I've had people that have impacted me um, from early on from maybe short interactions. 
Well, no, and you and you articulate that very well in the early chapters of the book. Uh, man, it, it's so it is very very powerful when you talk about it. So what a great answer for Zach's question. Thank you for the question, Zach. Keep them coming. I'm trying to keep up with them. So I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna answer a question because somebody sent me a text. Go. Saying, hey, you gotta answer this question because, like I said, I don't see the I don't see the text. So I get I don't see the um, the comments. So um, so I'll so now they they're going around you. They're texting me. Yeah, directly. no doubt, no doubt. Uh, way to let me know from uh, from from Jackson Abney, who's asking, how does a fire chief translate to fatherhood? Um, and I love that question. Oh, that's um, a... I love that question because it's there's a lot of parallels to to, oh, yeah. to that, right? So, and I think I mentioned it earlier about, um, you know, you don't treat, you know, your children the same, right? Um, There's times where you have to reason a little bit differently. Uh, You can't always be the hammer. You have to have sympathy, compassion, and understanding um, with your children. You got to have patience. And let me tell you, especially as a young parent, boy, that's harder, that's harder to do. Right, it's easy to say, hard to hard to yeah. implement sometimes, especially you're tired. Um, and this times I'm even at work, I'm tired or I'm frustrated. I, I'm it's this the firefighter that's trying to get over because what does he do? I'm there for today, uh, and I say no, so he goes and asks the next chief. Right, that's like going and asking mommy after Mom, daddy says right. no. Right, so um, that's certainly a pretty good parallel to it. But I think it's really just when we talk about those soft skills. The soft skills of parenting are directly they're, they're symbiotic from the fire service, from a company officer or a chief to parenting, um, yes. mother or father. Right. And I also would say the, the other parallel would be that if you're a company officer in, in the FDNY, there'll be three lieutenants and a captain. And they have to be on the same page, just like the parents have to be on the same page. Right. If there's no candy before before bedtime, well, then there's no candy before bedtime for both parents. If right, there's no candy right, before right. bedtime for for the three lieutenants and the captain. So having having that, um, I think that's a pretty good parallel too. There's a couple of good parallels to fatherhood. Oh, uh, absolutely. Right? I think and even I don't think parenthood. I don't think anything prepares someone to be a uh, company officer, especially better or leader. I could say just generally leader in life, probably it applies than, than children like because parenthood teaches you patience. Cause all of a sudden you're, you're responsible for another human being. And, uh, you realize the limits you have when you're dealing with another human being, you know? And I've seen, and I've seen that, right. I've, I've felt like I'm a parent at work, um, and in my volunteer department, um, where it's just like, man, is, am I the only adult here? <laughs> Right? So that's, that's another, that's another parallel is that um, sometimes you have to be the boss, right? Sometimes you have to be the adult in the room. And if you're as a parent, you are always, you are always the parent first. Here's another good parallel, right? Firefighters need bosses. They need bosses with rules and regulations and standards. So do children. Children don't need their parent to be their best friend. They need you to be their parent. Firefighters don't need the officer to be their best friend. They need them to be a boss. Friendship will come with being a parent. Friendship will come with being a company officer with your firefighters. Mm. That's powerful. Woo. That was a good question. I'm glad I'm glad that question was sent directly to me because that was really good. I don't even have Thank it in you. my notes. Yeah, no, absolutely. If they got another one, send them around. Send it around the horn. 
Alex Valbuena says, Chief, and the first part of this question, but I like the second part especially. First part, Chief, how do you sell change or training to a superior, right? But he goes on to say, or how would you want change to be presented to you? And what are some factors that help you buy into the new idea? I like the second half of that question a lot because it's getting, yeah. Yeah. So what was the second part of the question again? How would you want change to be presented to you in a leadership position? Like, how do you want them to bring it to you and what, what, what plays into that? That's a fantastic question. Um, I want, I want to know the why, right? And everybody wants to know the why, right? So present the problem, give me a solution. So as a battalion chief or a deputy chief, the rescue and squad offices are very well trained in this, right? Chief, I think you need a line to the second floor of the exposure. My guys can stretch a line. They already have a hose line. They already, they already have an engine. They can stretch off of engine 287. They're on the corner. They only have one line off of them. They identified the problem, and they gave me a solution, and they explained the why. Mm. Condition, action, need, solution, yeah. perfect. And I think that's how, that's how I like it to be presented because otherwise what you don't want to be – you don't want to be the – individual that is always just whining about a problem and never has a solution. Right. So um, I never go to my superior. um, And I would say this has been the case since I've been a captain, right. Where, because as a captain is where I, I, I thought at that rank and above, I really had an ability to, um, to impact where, where chief officers would listen to me as a Lieutenant. That was true. And as a firefighter, because I worked in firehouses, had deputy chiefs, right. so I saw the nuances for that. But as a captain, I thought it it, w- it really changed that, where I was able to influence up the organization, perhaps better than uh, any other point in my career. Um, and it was always with an explanation of this is the problem, this is what you know the why behind it, and and then give the solution. And and it's got to be well thought out because if. If you if your reputation becomes known that you're the you're the individual that has solutions, that I'm gonna I got your back I, I I'm gonna um I got your blind side and I'm gonna come to you with a problem but I'm gonna also come to you with a solution. Then leadership will always listen to you, because you're not the complainer, you're the solver, and that's important. So Love have solutions for the problems. Um, and sometimes that means discussing it with other people because um, I never have all the answers, right? Do you ever have all the answers? It's negative. <laughs> oh, so, but um, the wisdom of the crowd right. usually has the best solution. And when I talk at education day with our firefighters, I'll say, "Hey, this is a wicked problem. What do you What do you think we should do?" Right? No, it's beautiful. Um, a, a deference to you know to the expertise. The expertise is held by the members of the organization. The Again, and we said this, right? Um, the sum of the of all of the individual pieces is way more than the individual pieces by themselves. You know, one plus one plus one plus one equals four, right? But not really. One plus one plus one plus one really equals ten. When when you talk about the force multiplier in what we're able to accomplish and the wisdom of the crowds um, and crowdsourcing, right? It's just a version of that that we do right. within our own organization, and sometimes. Outside of our organization, I call people all the time that are outside my organization. How do you do this? What would you do? Right. What do you think of this scenario? And and the crazy part is, is the more you cultivate that uh, network and those relationships, how how powerful it can be. Uh, next question coming at you from John Eric Johnson. 
What are some foundational tips or advice you would give to build the winning mindset to a large company or battalion and the importance of the whole team approach? I mean, you did write. A I just, I, yeah. So I think, um, yeah, several, several. So um, I don't want to be a spoiler, but several of those will be in some of the chapter takeaways, but um, it's, Again, it's, a, it's that culture. It's that winning mindset, right? In the FDNY, we play to win on every run of every mm. tour, every time out the door. Losing's not an option. Failure's not an option. Um, and, and and just having success. And, and then that thirst to be better. Our tips from training and safety are well-received because our people want to be better mm. on whatever it is. They want to be better the next time out the door. Anybody that reads those, they're reading them because they want to be better. And whatever organization that you're in, whatever that is, that ability to communicate on how to be better, offering classes to be better, right? Whatever, again, if you're not the fire service and you, you're, you're offering these um, career enlargement um, opportunities where you could promote up the organization. Before I was a firefighter, I worked for Estee Lauder. Estee Lauder promoted from within. The majority of the employees promoted from within to, to senior, even to senior leadership and management, they would pay for your college education, even if it was unrelated to what you were doing. So you think about all those different cultures. They say, right. um, you know, train your people in whatever they want to learn, right? Because they're going to be better. They're going to be more, um, you know, they're going to be more into their buying into your organization or your department. And that's important. And you hear, well, if I train them, they'll leave. Well, what if you don't and they stay? <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful, man. I love right? it. I so love that question. Be the, be the organization that trains. And, you know, um, and if, you know, smaller organizations are oftentimes feeders for bigger organizations. I understand that. Take pride in that. Right. Take pride in the fact that 30% of whatever department is people that work for your department because that because you produce good people. Right. So that's okay, right? Just no. just know that that you know um, they all have roots there, and that's a good thing, you know, because you you're you always identify by where you started. Who actually broke you in and started you? And right. people always ask that. A new officer in the FDNY, the uh, the chauffeur immediately wants to know the officer's pedigree. Hey, boss, where'd you work? And as soon as they say the numbers, you know, right right off the bat, you just evaluated whether this guy's a girl knows what they're doing or they don't. And and that's sometimes not fair. But you want wherever you work, you want to make sure that you make that culture what it is for that shift, for that company, for that department, and embrace embrace it and be the be the best version of yourself. It's beautiful, man. I can sit there and just be the bobblehead for your answers all day long. <laughs> it's beautiful, man. I love it. Um uh, uh, Jake Deal says. And you've you've touched on this. So you can you can you can you know reference things. But he says, "How does the FDNY do it? How do they appear to have the strongest brotherhood of all the fire service?" We don't appear to have the strongest brotherhood. We oh. have the strongest brotherhood. And there you go. it's um, it's it's passed down. It's truly passed down. Um, and in every single thing we do, and it's just saying, "Hey." We have a memorial service today. We we're all going. We have we're doing a, a barbecue, and everybody should go there. And the families could go. It's just it's so ingrained in our DNA 
Um, and, and that starts in probie school when we have, you know, um, you know, um, my good friend, Gary, he comes and he's, he's like, he's an honorary battalion chief and he's a historian. He used to work for the, um, fire museum in the city. He knows all the history of the fire department. Our probies get a class from him on the history. You got to know the history of our job, um, and where we've come and the blood, sweat, and tears to where we've, how we've gotten here. Know the procedures that are written in blood of other firefighters. Know the history that we have with the military. Know that 47 members of our job have been killed serving our country. Know that 60-something members of our uh, graduating academy, this one that just graduated, were veterans. Know the struggles that we've had and how we got to where we are today. And I think it's, again, you never leave the FDNY family. And um, I hear that from, and I see the retired guys from our job and girls from our job all the time. And, um, you know, our fire chiefs association, uh, you know, if you're a fire chief on the job, doesn't matter if you're a fire chief for one day or you're retired and you're, you know, 95 years old, we have events that everybody shows up to. You know, we, we just had an event out in Montauk where we had 300 people. We probably had 5,000 years of experience um, there in between mm -hmm. active and retired members. I mean, uh, several former chiefs of department, several former fire commissioners. You know, I went to the, the FDNY Foundation dinner and um, Sal Cassano, our, a retired chief from our job and retired commissioner. He now does a lot of work with the Tunnels for Towers. Like, I could call him up. Um, and I could call him up and ask him a question. He was such an uh, such an amazing leader. Even though when he was when he was leading our department, I was at a lower level in our department, and I didn't really have a lot of interaction. I have more interaction now with him because he wants to help mentor me and make me better, because it's the FDNY way. And it could be the same with with Chief Ed Kilduff, who retired as chief of department. Tom Richardson, who retired as chief of department. These guys, um, Jimmy Hodgins, who retired, uh, Jimmy Esposito, all these people that have retired that. That, that they just want to give back. They they are always there for me. They're they're always a phone call away. And when I when I got to, when I became the chief of the fire academy, when I became the chief of training, when I became the chief of safety, other members of our organization that served in those positions immediately reached out to offer their help. Hmm. Dude, it's five, powerful. six, seven people reaching out. People that I looked up to. People I didn't even know that got my phone number from somebody. Because it's the training lineage. It's and that's one of the chapters in the book all about that. That what do we how do we do that? What does that mean? What does that mean in practice? Right. And how do we get there? Because it size of the organization, big or small, doesn't matter. It's not a it should never be an excuse to not do something or not start have the culture that you want. And honestly, Corley, you you articulate that so well in uh in the chapter that 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 you contributed to. Because it, it really does. It, it's it's how do we bottle that up? Because I'll, I'll never forget that when you said that we're sitting there at Metal Day and we're looking out over the crowd of people just absolutely celebrating. And you said to me, how do I bottle this up and bring this back to more for my department? Right. And I'm just thinking to myself, this guy totally gets it. And I because I, and, and I take it for granted what we have. Right. Some sometimes I know I take that for granted. Um, but um, 
but hearing that just resonated with me. And when I was writing that chapter, I just kept thinking about that. How do we bottle this up and bring it somewhere else? How do I articulate this to make it where you can understand it, where you can experience it, feel it without having been there like right. you had? And then I, I gave you very basic parameters for what I wanted you to write. And you knocked it out of the park. <laughs> um, and and really, you didn't even follow the parameters all that well. Right. But, I didn't. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, like hardly at all. But um, but it was absolutely <laughs> perfect. Right. Okay, good. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hey 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 can i uh i gotta do a um a quick shout out to my buddy I'm... ray holdsworth um ray is a um retired member of the nypd um ray is also a life member of the east farmandale fire department he's listening from florida tonight on on the scrap and um on september 11th of 2001 um i'm there for a couple of hours and he was the first person that I saw from home. And Ray is a, a big guy. Uh, he's a tall guy. He's a he's uh, he's a large person. Um, and when he saw me, uh, we were about a half a block away and we we ran to each other like 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 two lovers would. Right. Right. Um, he gave me the biggest bear hug that I had ever had in my life. Um, I still think I feel it. I, I thought he was going to break my ribs. But um, he, he's a, I, he's uh, he's one of my brothers. For, he's forever my brother, no matter where he lives. And uh, him and his family, I, I, you know, I love those guys. And, uh, um, you know, he's texting me tonight that he's in the, uh, you know, that he's watching. He's doing the end around. Uh, <laughs> right, right on, right but, on. But thank you for watching, Ray. And here's the deal, Chief. You never have to say, hey, can I do a shout out or can I ask this question? I'm never going to say no to you. Like, it's basically your show. So just so you know. Uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. My buddy Joe Lease, I always I seem he's always watching another big fan. Um, you know, young firefighter in Fairfax County. But I know he's got to go to bed. He's gonna probably listen to this uh the rest of it tomorrow if he if he's even still on. But uh, you know, on the east it's kinda it gets late quick. It you gets know? late. It does. I yeah. know. I do. But uh yeah, good stuff. <laughs> perfect. It's perfect time to transition to uh besides cornerstones of leadership. I always like to ask people, what book or books do you think firefighters should be reading? Oh boy. Uh, so the nine L's, um, the cornerstones <laughs> of leadership. Um, too, think too again. Solid. Yeah. Think again. Think again. Yeah. Ryan Grant. Yes. Um, is, uh, I mean, that's just an amazing book. Um, oof. Um, all the pass it on books, mm. uh, I think are, uh, fantastic. Um, my goodness, there's so many, um, there's so many, uh, I always like the, you know, the buildings, uh, why, why buildings fall down. Um, Mario, I forgot the guy's last name is, is a great book. Uh, why we sleep is a great book. Oh yeah. Um, uh, you got the, you're going the Gina, gamut here. Yeah. Yeah. Gina Alley's when it comes out next April, uh, when, when, uh, Penwell publishes that, um, will will be a necessary read as well. Um, they saved New York. I wrote the forward for that book. is a fantastic, uh, fantastic book. I also wrote the forward for Dina Alley's uh, book. Um, and so I get asked to do forwards um, uh, every every now and again, fairly frequently. Um, and I I watch I look I I see the um, 
I, I don't just write it. I got to see the I got to see the manuscript first. Sure. Uh, and then determine I'll I'll peruse it first and say, OK, I'll do this. Or if I have the time, sometimes I don't have the time. Um, but um, I, I don't take that lightly. I don't write a forward for a book I don't think is worthy. Um, and those are two that I think are tremendously worthy. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to when when the second of those uh, comes out, I think. Mike Champo's book on tower ladders is a must read. My goodness, the fear I'm, I'm missing. I'm missing some. There's so there's so many. It's no, there's no doubt, no doubt. Keep reading, stay learnable. You know, there's so much. You know, I've told you this before. There's so many people doing good things. We need fire engineering. We need firehouse. We need these podcasts. We need young firefighters to write articles. We need firefighters to continue to do podcasts. Um, they're not your competition. You know, we're all in this together, push, pushing in the right direction, man. And I know you get that, right? So, absolutely. Um, and that's and that's important, um, you know. And uh, I love going on your show. I go on getting salty. I go, you know, um, because these are these are good podcasts. They're good people doing good things for the uh, for the fire service. As long as you're not saying dumb stuff or stuff that's going to get firefighters injured or killed, then you are doing the right thing for the fire service, in my opinion. Beautiful. Uh, Dean Ollie said, "Grateful for his forward. Couldn't believe he made time to read mine and while the full and write the forward while finishing his own book. Chief Lieb is literally the best. So, uh, yeah. well, it's a it's a powerful it's a powerful book. Her book is a powerful uh, is a powerful book. And um, you know, it's it, it's I, I at one point I told her I'm like, stop stop writing, stop writing. You you know, she has so much information. I'm like, just make it like five different books, right? Um." But there's so much information that she wants to get out there and share, which is, which is so beautiful, right? That's the, that is the beauty of it. Is that there's so much, there's so much good information out there. Hey, let's get it out there, and and that's a good thing. Man, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm telling you, I wanted to tell people this earlier. My favorite part of the book, obviously, Metal Day is my favorite chapter. Uh, it's just such a such a personal story for me. But the my favorite part of the book is the takeaways, the 125 plus two. Man, I'm I'm serious when I say this. You can flip to those because they're all synopsed in the back of the book. They're all listed, and you can flip to them, and literally it can be your like a little devotional for the day. I don't care which one you pick out. You can just read it, and like I can just go and say, uh, technology is not a substitute for putting work in, uh, putting in the work to succeed. Even the greatest generation faced criticism and challenges from their predecessors. That's randomly picking out too. You could just do that. 127 times, man, through one once per shift, and they give you something to think about for the day and set your mindset right. The takeaways are brilliant. And so, and I put them all at the end because, right? So I love chapter takeaways, right? Right. Then, so even if I didn't, if I didn't fully understand the, the chapter for whatever reason, um, I'd go back and read it. So I'm very similar to how I break down a book the way you do, right? So I'd go back and read it, but now it's telling me what I should have learned, right. right? And then what I would do is I always take notes. I'll take a picture of the book. I take pictures of, of, of parts of books to post all the time, but I write notes. And the next thing you know, I'm like, where was that note? So, um, cause I'm not as organized as you are. So I said, I got to have all of them in one spot for exactly that reason. Cause maybe you just want to send a motivational tip out to your company every day. Or right. use it for, for at roll call every morning, pick one, whatever it is. That's kind of what I wanted to be a, a, a useful, uh, tool to be a reference manual if you want to use it for that with the tips, um, you know, but also the stories that relate to the different things. That's it's 
the stories is what I love in your book. It's what I love in Collapse of Burning Buildings by 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 Dunn, by Vinnie Dunn. Um, is that I remember the lessons because of the story. Right. It's easier to implement and put them and make them and make those tran- transfer those experiences to me. So now I can be better because I learned that lesson because that building collapsed or because this story or whatever it is that the story is that we're portraying on why we took that, that tip and made it and made it our own. Right. And own it. And that's, that was why we have them at the end. When we talk about the book, everything else in the book, my, um, we was researched the size of the book, six by nine, same size as your book, the, the length, how long it takes to read. Um, even the, the, the paper color, the paperweight, the the size of the text, which is a little bit larger than you may usually see, but it's smaller than large large um, than large print. Those are all intentionally done because we want you know I wanted the book to be easy to read for everybody, right. um, and that's and I I think uh, you, you, this book will take you between four and five hours to read cover to cover. Um, which is the sweet spot, which is what we wanted because it's difficult sometimes when you have a book that, you know, you go on audio and it's 25 hours and you're like, Oh right. my goodness, this is, this is good. This is like a part-time job. Um, so, you know, <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Um, so you read a chapter, it takes 10, 15 minutes. So you have 10, 15 minutes, stop, boom, read the takeaways. Great. You have 10, 15 minutes at night, boom, another chapter done. And, you know, you could you could get through it, feel like you're making some progress. And with a little bit of luck, hopefully you're you know, you'll like the book and you'll you'll like the takeaways of it and and realize these. I don't use the word soft skill um, all that often, if at all. I don't even think I use the word. Um, But that's what this this is about. It's about those other skills. Again, um, you want to learn about towel ladders? Champo's book. Right. Right. You know, it's a different you know, it's it's not that type of book. It's more of a, a leadership in these lessons, but they're lessons that are applicable for the firefighter up to the chief or any organization that you represent. And as we've you know uh, learned tonight, even for a new parent. Right on, right on. I love it, man. All right, which takes us to one of my favorite parts of the show, which is you've got to experience this not long ago, but. The five questions for firefighters, but you haven't heard these five questions. Well, you might have heard them, but you have never got to answer them. It's the next five questions for firefighters, version 3.2. So there is no right or wrong answer. They are just your opinions, but the points are arbitrary. They're assigned by me with the help of the live audience. So my question to you, Chief Frank Lieb, is are you ready for the next five questions for firefighters, version 3.2? I am ready. I'm as ready as I'm going to be, my brother. Okay, give me a second. I'm going to let my deaf boxer out. <laughs> so while he's letting the boxer out, I'm going to say that um, I have, tonight I happen to be wearing um, um, one of my 9-11 memorial shirts. Uh, this shirt is it's probably 20 years old. Um, and it's um, Brian Sweeney, who... Um, was a firefighter in squad 288. We went to, uh, he went to squad 288. I went to 270 at the same time, got to know him, just a tremendous brother. Uh, he, uh, he had transferred to, to rescue one. Um, he was killed on September 11th. Um, later, later on, several years later, I would wind up being uh, part season ticket holders for the New York Mets with, uh, with a group. And one of the people in the group was his, was his dad. Um, I, I wear this shirt once a year. 
Um, I typically wear it um, on September 10th, 11th to 12th. This year on the 11th, I was I was exhausted. By the time I got home, it was late. I had a full day of memorials, and I didn't get a chance to wear it. So um, just thinking about uh, him and all of all of the brothers that uh, that died on September 11th, and and the members that have continued to be um, to be fighting. That uh, you know nobody fights alone, and certainly our brothers and sisters uh, aren't fighting alone. But just a shout out to uh, just to, to to this brother particularly. So thank you. Very honored you would choose to wear it uh, uh, tonight as the surrogate. Uh, honestly, that's awesome, man. That really is powerful. Uh, so Max points for that already out the gate. Uh, all right, here we go. Number one, what is the skill that has carried you through your fire service career? Stay humble, stay learnable. Have a thirst for the why. And be loyal. Right. You have to have competency, but without loyalty, you're not doing anything. You have to, competency is, is a given. You have to be competent, right? But loyalty is is tremendous. All right, I'm confused. Learnable, thirst for the why, competent, loyal. So which one carried you through if you had to gun to your head? Which one is it? <laughs> um. That's a great stay answer, learnable. by the way. Great answer, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm breaking your shoes. You gotta stay. You, you gotta be hungry for knowledge. You gotta stay. You gotta. You, you gotta. You gotta stay hungry for knowledge. You gotta stay learnable. No, everybody's already given you max points. It doesn't even matter what I said. They gave you so many. And I can't points. even see it. Last time I was able to see what they were saying. There's a great now answer. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for you to tell me. I'm like, come on, guys and girls. Am I getting max points or what? Like, I'm. I gotta keep. I got to keep going thinking that yeah, you got about four, you got about 14 max points there in our, while, <laughs> while, while I was, while I was waiting to break your shoes. Uh, <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to check all that later and see. They're still rolling yeah. in. They're still rolling in. They're still giving you hundreds. Be hungry. hundred max points. Okay. Number two, it's job town. It's time. You're in route and responding. You know, the scene from backdraft where they slap the, the cassette into the tape deck and it starts playing. Like what song are you playing in route? Oh, that's easy. ACDC back in black. They're my <laughs> walkout song for my keynote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, easy max points for ACDC's band. <laughs> Todd Edwards said max points. Uh, <laughs> Thank absolutely. you, Todd. And a quick answer. You didn't have to think about it. Didn't even have to think about it. No, so it's funny. So um, people are like, how'd you pick the walkout song? Well, 10 minutes before I went out on stage, um, they said, hey, what song you want to play? I'm like, uh, I like ACDC. They're like, how about Black and, Black and Black? I'm like, that's freaking perfect. <laughs> so the opening of the keynote um, last year was that. And I'm like, it, it just stoked the crowd, too. Because right. who like that song? It doesn't matter what music you listen to. You love that song, Black and Black. No, the, the rift is awesome, man. Uh, the rift. Yeah, and yeah. So I was talking to my son. So eventually, when I get to doing the audio book, right, I want to have the intro done with that song in the background. But I don't know. There's all the music rights and stuff. I'll sure. write to ACPC. Hey, can I borrow the song? Right. Or right. how do I get the rights? You know? No, so, absolutely. I have no idea how we'll that see. works. Yeah. If that doesn't no. work out, there'll be fire sirens. <laughs> that like, those fire the cue. <laughs> I got something going on in my eye. I rubbed it too much. Okay. Number three, what is your favorite fire service tradition? 
Uh, so there's so this too, right? So my fight, my favorite fire service tradition is how we take care of one another. That is my favorite because it matters. But the one I enjoy the most is the way we celebrate our successes on Metal Day. Hmm. We should we should never get rid of both, but we must always take care of our people. We must always take care of our fallen and their families. My volunteer fire department tonight. East Farmingdale Fire Department. Um, those brothers and sisters aren't listening to this tonight because they had a company meeting and they recently participated in a chili cook-off competition. And um, guys like Brian McNulty, Matt Joseph, Chris Malenga, um, Scott Lewis, um, Mike Greco. I think these were some of the ones that were the cooks for us. At least that's oh, wow. what I heard. I missed it. We beat the Stu Leonard's team. And there was a $5,000 donation that was going to be made to a charity of our choice. And our choice was the Billy Moon Foundation. So tonight at the meeting, his widow was coming to accept the check, the $5,000 check for that. So nice. it's when we take care of our own, that, that, that translates into our, the volunteer fire service as well, because Billy Moon was a volunteer firefighter and a city firefighter. And he worked in, in Rescue 2. He donated his organs after he passed away. Mm. You know, his family did that. And she's been a champion of that. So that's what, that's why my East Farmingdale brothers and sisters are not on, you know, the members that would be listening tonight. They're not because they had that tonight. And right that's pretty powerful. Um, and I was, I was thinking, can I go there and be there for that part and then get back in time? But I didn't want to. You know, I'm too I'm too responsible to have taken that chance to you know. Hey, call right. I'm running 20 minutes late. Right. You know. Um, no, no. But yeah, I, I think that's important. No, brother. Again, easy max points on taking care of each other, man. And we, and and then of course metal day. You know how I feel about that. And letting me be a part of it, the uh, or observe yeah. a part of it. All right. This people have been talking about this one since before the show started, and it's the uh, this one's on the clock. You get one minute to answer. Right. Sam, Sam sets up the clock. You'll be able to see it there. The audience will be able to see it. And you have one minute to tell, tell us who are the four people you would put on the Mount Rushmore of the fire service. Your Mount uh, Rushmore. Ready? Yeah. My Mount Rushmore. So my round, my Mount Rushmore would be my brother, Bobby, who um, he passed away when he was 36 uh, and I was 26. Um, and the book is dedicated to him, and I talk greatly about about him. Um, and so, I and I thought it was so people that you wish you could have a conversation with as well, right? So, um, so I'm I'm going to go along with that a little bit because Mount Rushmore guys like Tom Richardson would be on that, but guys like Oriel Palmer, who was the highest firefighter on September 11th, who I didn't know, but I wish I did. I wish I could talk to him. Um, to have another conversation with a guy like Alan Brunacini, to have conversations with some of the legends of, of our early time in, in the job. I don't even know how many how many I'm up to right now. So, all right. So I'm going to put my brother. Um, I'm going to put my brother. I'm going to put um, Tom Richardson. I'm going to put Oriel Palmer. And um, who else did I met? And Alan Brunacini. Brunacini. You got it. I got Bobby. it under the wire, I think. Bobby Palmer, Brutusini, Richardson. 
Very well yeah, done. And there's sir. so many, right? That's like a loaded oh, question. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Right? You've got nothing but loaded just, questions tonight. I've heard that question, and I've heard the answers for on on several of your uh, uh, of your previous podcasts, and I I love all the answers. No, they've been great. You I've, know, I've enjoyed like, the question. Oh yeah, that's a good choice. You know. Yeah. yeah. No, I love yeah. more. It's like all of them. The reason I love the five questions for firefighters, it's really not the answer. It's the reasons why. You know. Yeah. And I love it. I really do. I really and you got max points rolling. I'm not. I don't even have to look anymore. It's like auto max. <laughs> Final question, which you already answered earlier, so I'm, I'd be surprised if anything's different. It's heavy fire and searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? When you put the fire out, everything gets better. I, I would be surprised if it was a different answer. No, nah, you know, and and I know, I know that. Um, I know that the popular answer um, so far since you've been asking this question is the truck. But um, so the truth of the matter is when you have a really good fire, the, the, the guys and girls that are going to be searching are standing behind you with the nozzle. So the searchable space is only searchable because you have a hose line there. Right. Um, when it's when it's a true, really, really ripping job. So I like to joke around. Um, what's a truck without an engine? It, it's six more victims. <laughs> there you go. And that officially gives you max points. Five for five. <laughs> Easy max. Tank fired up Morris showed up and said, let's go. Late to the party, but here for my brother. Here for my brother. Max points. Uh, someone said knob with all caps. Absolutely. And that makes it the and that's five. definitely not. Listen, there's. Um, it is searching and finding a victim. It is, um, it is one of the ultimate privileges in our profession. It's a privilege to be able to find and rescue another human from a burning structure. It is a just like it's a privilege when we bring somebody back performing CPR. It is why we do what we do. Um, so I, I totally understand that is, and I and the feeling I've had when. Because I've had the privilege a couple of times uh, to pull somebody out of a, a burning structure, but I still there's just nothing more self satisfying than than having the uh, than having the nozzle. I love it. I absolutely love it. And there we go. That makes it 213 scraps in the books. But we have to give away three copies of Cornerstones of Leadership. This is a phenomenal bestseller book that we've got here. Signed copies, scrap editions. Uh, I don't know what else to say. We gonna Sam's gonna pull up the spinny wheel, and everybody that's entered from earlier, he's gonna do the spinny wheel, and we're gonna give away. We're gonna spin it three times, and the winners. You, we, we talked about it. Do you have to be present to win? You don't. If you if your name comes up, then you win it, and we will contact you because what if the tones dropped? You know that's not fair. So uh, three three copies right here, and then we're gonna do two copies in the after party for the vigilantes, that, where Frank gets roasted by the vigilantes for. His how how his performance was here on the scrap. All right, Sam, when you're ready, uh, kick the spinny wheel. They covered my face with the spinny wheel. Frank can't see the spinny wheel. Here we go. Britta Horn, congratulations on winning. Cornerstones of Leadership, Scrap Edition, signed by Frank Lieb. Okay, next one. And Britta Horn happens to be an author as well. Um, Britta does – I know Britta, and she does an awful lot for the fire service herself. So 
um, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Christopher, what'd you say? Oh, Chris Fabrizo. I may say Christopher, but Chris Fabrizo. And we will reach out. Even if you're not here, we will reach out and let you know that you won. And the final one. Here comes the spinny wheel. Sam's writing them down before he spins. He's letting me know in my ear. John Valles. Writing it down myself. There you go. Three copies. Scrap edition. Thank you for being here. Housekeeping coming up. My brother, Frank Lieb. Thank you for sharing your evening with all the scrappers. It's been an amazing time. If someone wants to get a hold of you, reach out to you in some way, shape, or form, what's the best way to do so? Um, any of the so- any social media. Probably the best right now would be um, Cornerstones of Leadership on Facebook. Uh, if you have the book, my link tree is in the back of it. Um, and that's definitely the best because that has links to everything. Uh, I'll wind up putting a link to this scrap, link to the previous scrap. Articles I've written, there's a ton of information uh, on my link tree. And again, that's in the back of the book um, as well. Beautiful. I love it. Uh, Go to firehousevigilance.com. If you haven't already, become a vigilante. Go join. It's five bucks a month. And it's the price of a cup of coffee. You can sign up for monthly. You can sign up for a year. But you get to do cool stuff like this. We just, this is really actually very cool. Uh, a bunch of us did the V90 and it's a, it's a thing. You can see my book is all beat up, but from going to the the fire station with me and in my bag, but you, you, you basically make a commitment for 90 days to do this book and it's a fitness slash mental slash social challenge. And it's really cool. Cause you score it. I'll show I'm trying to show you right here. You score it each day. I'll show you a good, a good weeks of scores instead of my bad scores. And, and it's really fun, but we, today was the 90th day and we actually, finished the uh the v90 commitment today and we're going to be starting another one that's the cool kind of stuff we do in there including stuff like the after party which is coming up so go to firehousevigilance.com become a vigilante if you're not one um yeah 56 days from today 56 days in a few hours is the opening of firemanships uh where you can buy uh yeah, they're gonna. It's gonna go on sale. Firemanship is gonna go on sale. Fifty six days from today on Cyber Monday. I'm announcing it every scrap until it gets here. November twenty seventh, Cyber Monday. You can get your tickets to firemanship. Fifty six days in a few hours. My brother Frank Lieb, thank you for being such a phenomenal guest. Thank you, my brother, and thank you everybody for uh, for the support that you've shown and for and for being here watching the scrap. Thank you, vigilantes. I will post the link to the scrap after party in the group. You can find it there as per usual. Frank has agreed to come on and be roasted uh, and hear the feedback and thoughts about the episode. Uh, Audience, scrappers, thank you so much for being here this evening. You are truly what makes the scrap magical with your questions, loaded questions, soft tosses, uh, max points, all of it, man. You guys truly make the scrap so much fun. Thank you for tuning in live. Remember, mutts don't scrap. I hope the tones stay silent unless it is burning. Stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.